Will England be blinded by the lights or will they dazzle under them? It's cricket, only better. Welcome to Cricket Only Better 117. Last time we were ready to burn for the Ashes series. A week later, England have gone from undercooked to completely fried. Is that so? We will give you the answers. Sam Collins is asking the questions. Indeed, Edward Hawkins. Shock, shock, horror. Aside with a mediocre batting lineup and absolutely no practice. Got bowled out cheaply in the first innings. Deja vu much. We've seen and heard it before. England well beaten in that first test. Paul Krishnamurti of betting.betfair was the first to turn up the gas. Paul, welcome back. Oh, hi, Sam. It was, it was all we all knew, didn't we? Deep down, once the team news came out, once the sauce was done, we knew. Well, the, fortunately, Edward, I'm not sure where Edward Hawkins was getting his team news last week, but uh, hopefully he's on better form this week. Richard Mann of SportingLife.com, you're here again as well. I hear your red and white face paint may be in the bin. Oh, no, Sam, I've ordered another back. <laughs> Good news. Good news. At least someone's um, making a profit out of this. Um, this is our special preview for the second Ashes test. Underlights from Adelaide starting at 4am on Thursday. So at least we won't have to stay up all night this time. What, what have we got on the show, Edward Hawkins? The big conundrum is solved. Does the pink ball swing more than the red ball? Are England betted better suited? Tasneem Summer Khan returns for a deep data dive to tell you what to do. Lovely stuff. Terrific, terrific. Uh, plus pitch reports, stats, trading strategies, top performers and the best bets. Let's get on with it. So you may be asking yourself, what has that thrashing done to the series outright market on the Betfair exchange? Well, it's all over. Uh, apparently, Australia are 1.18 now, England 10.5 and the draw at 14. Hawkins coming to you first. Any hope for England here? I think England are in a bit of a mess uh, psychologically more than anything. We talked about last week them starting well, but before starting well, you have to select well. And they've made a mess of their selection. And now, as we warned, they're going to the second test in Adelaide all over the shop. People are coming in, people are coming out, confidence is being undermined. And uh, Joe Root's obviously been criticised for the decision at the toss, which gives a little bit of an insight into their mindset uh, there. They're unsure about how to basically win tests out in Australia. And a really interesting quote from Stuart Broad saying, for the rest of the four tests, we've got to pretend it's a four test series and scores nil nil. What the hell does that mean? You're, you're one nil down. So it's not four test series at nil nil. It's a four test series. You're one nil down. I think I think they could well be shot already. Yeah, I was wondering how you were... There's a big assertion to make, Ed Hawkins, that they're psychologically broken, but I think you've done a reasonable job of backing that up. Maybe they should just concentrate on playing the match in front of them rather than thinking one or two games ahead. Doesn't seem to work very well. Bring back Ed Smith, I say. Uh, Richard Mann, you were very keen on England. You took a big anti-post price. What's your view now? Well, uh, just frustration, really. I think we all agreed at the start of the series, Australia were the better side for these conditions. But as India proved last year, India's what C team proved last year, they're not unbeatable. And England had the potential to at least run them close. But boy, they missed some opportunities last week. Root at the toss made a mistake, really. I mean, 
given the conditions, it was a ball first pitch. I think anywhere else but the Gabba and the ghost of Nasser saying he would have bowled first. But that doesn't excuse poor batting in both innings, really. Him and Milan apart and the catching, the catching was just disgraceful, wasn't it, really? I mean, we questioned whether England could take 20 wickets with that attack in these conditions. Well, looking at that, they'll probably need to create 30 chances. The catching was shocking. And that's something I'm not sure they can remedy in what format is really concerning and really frustrating, really, because I think there's a potential for them to run this Australia side close, but I'm just not sure they'll do it now. Okay, um, not sure what the odds are on Rory Burns getting a haircut um, or making the next test, but let's see. Series correct score odds coming up. Let's take a look with the Betfair Exchange. Paul, get ready because I'll come to you straight after this. Um, we're all thinking it. 4.7, Australia, the 5-0 whitewash. I don't know, am I thinking it? Maybe I am. 4-1, um, Australia is 5.1. 3-1, Australia is 6.2. 4-0, 5.8. Paul Krishnamurti, what do we bet on? I've tailored those odds to your views. 4-0, Australia. Um, I said it at 7.0 before the first test. Didn't back it. Got scared out of it by the weather forecasts. So very happy to see 5.8 still available. Um, I think in these situations, even if we fancy 5-0, backing four results makes a lot better sense than five, just in case you get a bad weather forecast somewhere and get into trouble. Or, you know, it only takes, there's going to be one match where the draw goes heavily odds on. It just happens. It happens in test cricket. So I'd much rather be on four results. Very happy to be on 4-0. But likewise, if you think England could make a fist of this, 3-1 Australia is not a bad bet either at those odds. Um, I think the point is you back four results, you're going to get chances to cover that in the last test. Very, very confident of that. Okay. Um, can we get a consensus on England's 11 for this game? Ed Hawkins, I'm going to take your fevered mind out of contention for a second. Um, Broaden Anderson seems to be coming back for Adelaide, but who for Richard Mann and any other changes? I think it'll just be Anderson for Wood. I think it was always a plan for Wood to play the first and not the second. Um, Anderson's obviously, if he's fit, he's still England's best bowler. So he'll come in for Wood. I don't think they'll be able to get Stuart Broad in. I think they'll have to stick with Works. I think the wanted Works for Adelaide anyway, but he gives them runs at number eight. And looking at the way the tail performed last week, they're going to need Works' runs. So just Anderson for Wood for me. And I think they'll stick with Jack Leach. You need a spinner in Adelaide. Ed and Paul, do you agree? I will get to another a bet I had lined as a potential bet I had lined up. If that is the case, if Rich is right, that would kind of scupper it because I was hoping Anderson and Broad would play. Personally, I would drop Leach. I just don't see the point in having an effective spinner. You might as well have Joe Root bowling. Ed Hawkins. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think Wokes will go for Broad uh, because um, whether it's the right thing or to do or not, I think England will bow to the hysteria and they'll pick Broad and Anderson. Uh, I think I think Leach I think Leach has to play because there's um there's going to be degrees of turn even if it's a pink ball and under lights we we, we know that about pink ball tests uh, however I think we said last week that Leach was the series and Australia attacked him basically hit him out of the attack and uh, we're talking about bowling dry England can't possibly bowl dry with Australia going after Leach like that so Leach probably gets another game uh, then they'll have to change that for the third test and I think if Burns has a double failure here he will be out so the crisis was just roll on for England 
There is a school of thought that if you um, completely undermine your spinner for for a year or two, then um, chuck him into a high pressure game, having not played since March, he might get tonked. But um, you know, I'm no expert on psychology. Right, um, we've got some team news, Paul Krishnamurti from the Australian camp. Yeah, um, Justin. Very recently, Hazelwood's definitely out, and they're saying that David Warner is a doubt with rib injury. So perhaps hope springs eternal for England because I do think that take out four or five class acts and they're vulnerable and there's two of them. You speak wisdom, Paul Krishnamurti. As always, um, start of the week now with Ed Hawkins. 0.7 degrees, the amount the pink ball swings in Australia. How much does the red ball swing in Australia? 0.7 degrees, no change. Okay, and that rather nicely. It's almost like you planned this, Ed Hawkins. Tease up Tasneem Samarkhan, who's going to answer the question, will it be a pace paradise under lights in Adelaide? With the day-night test kicking off in Adelaide, let's turn our attention to pink ball cricket. So the game's come a long way since Hazelwood Stark and Mitchell Johnson first complained about safety and use for bowlers in 2015. We've got the 17th pink ball game coming up. Eight have been played by Oz. Eight have been won by Oz. Great record. Bad news for England fans. Australia seem to be very good at pink ball cricket. However, all eight of those games were played in Australia and you'd expect any test side who's evenly matched or better to be winning at home. In fact, all pink ball tests have been won by the home side, but there is some good news. In 2016, a middling Pakistan side fell just 39 runs short of forcing Australia to a defeat at the Gabba. If that side could get Australia on the ropes at the Gabba, anything's possible. And those possibilities come from the controversy surrounding the pink ball and how much it swings. Josh Hazelwood has been very vocal since Australia have seen pink ball success that the ball behaves differently to a red ball even in daylight. Pink ball cricket is fast developing and Aussie day-nighters average only three and a half days, which evidences that there's some adaptation required of batsmen to the pink ball, lending credence to Hazelwood's assertions. The differences between batting averages among sessions also backs this up. Each session is far less lucrative in pink ball cricket, with the second session being 20 runs less lucrative. What's fascinating about these averages is that they are highly dependent on the type of bowler being faced. Regardless of where the game's played, pink ball cricket definitely favours seam bowlers. Spinners other than Nathan Lyon are relatively impotent and a lot of Lyon's success might be put down to the placement of Stark's footmarks when bowling. But as to the question of whether the ball swings more, in Australia, the degrees of seam and swing have been similar in both pink and red ball cricket. But the reality is the characteristics and the timings are very different. The red ball swings more for longer, the pink ball sees strong movement for the first 20 to 30 overs and then becomes docile. Batsmen have put their lower averages down to a softer ball, harder to pick up in that in-between light. The most promising news for England, however, is the success of fast medium bowlers in pink ball cricket. Averages improved significantly, particularly for bowlers between 133 to 139k, 15 lower in pink ball cricket, and bowlers hitting between 120 to 132k, have another 15 lower average, averaging 29 with the pink ball. So there's always the risk of focusing so much on the merits of the pink ball that you overanalyze and forget that the weather and the pitches are just as important as the nature of the ball itself. All in all, the pink ball's effect in Australia seems to make matches a little bit less Australian, taking away some of those traits of pace, aggression, and accuracy that we know are vital there. That opens the door to a wider range of bowlers, Notably, pretty much all of England's offerings, whether it's Anderson, Wokes, Wood, Broad, or even Stokes. 
In short, unless England unlock that grit that they need to succeed in Australia, whatever the time of day they play, and formulate a better understanding of their resources, regardless of the color of the ball, we'll be looking at another Ashes game, the likes of which we have grown accustomed to, albeit with each batsman's average diminished ever so slightly. Perfect from Tasneem Summer, as always. Thank you. Um, Listener question now. Uh, Leon Sachs asks, what's the impact of Hazelwood being injured on Australia's ability to take 20 wickets? Or do we think that you guys could turn your arms over in place of him and still bowl England out twice? Who better to come to than uh, Richard Mann? Uh, Excellent question. Excellent question. He's a massive loss. Look, he is a fantastic bowler. Um, I've got a few criticisms of him about his stamina for for long series. But I mean, early in series, he is just brilliant. And we saw that again last week in Brisbane. Massive loss for Australia. The one thing that they'll be happy about is that look I think Stark and Cummins will fancy doing the job against England anyway Okay Paul Krishnamurti Well I mean he is a massive loss but Jai Richardson's also a big prospect isn't he so I wouldn't be surprised if he comes in and has a very good test plus you have to say that all the recent evidence from Adelaide is this will be a result there will be 20 wickets taken so let's see in the third test if Hayes would fit again for that Okay, thanks chaps. Well done. Now let's get on and find us some winners from Adelaide. For Adelaide. Australia versus England, second test coming at you from Adelaide on Thursday, 4am in the morning UK time, live on BT Sport. Bet for exchange odds, price on Australia has collapsed to 1.59 here. They were odds against last week. England are 3.95, the draws 8.1. Ed Hawkins has a lowdown. Yes, possible 11 for you. Australia, Warner is a doubt. Kawaja will come and open if he's out, we suspect. So that would be Harris in the opening berth with him. Labuschagne, Smith, Head, Green, Carey, Cummins, Stark, Richardson and Lyon. Richardson can bat, by the way. So uh, Australia's tail uh, is gets even stronger. England, Burns, Hamid, Milan, Root, Stokes, Pope, Butler, and this is where it gets tricky. I don't think we did get a consensus, did we? Uh, Robinson, Broad, Anderson, Wood, Leach, we'll, we'll find all out. All of them. <laughs> Just, yeah, a team plays. Maybe they should be allowed to play 12. What does the Adelaide pitch do under lights? Well, it's different for Australia and the opposition, just like the Gabba. Opposition, these are first inning scores, 244-259-202. Australia, 589-442. We reiterate that data about the pink ball swinging. England were thrashed there in 2017. Anderson won for 74, Broad 2 for 72. They were bowling first. They conceded 442. All day nights, everywhere. Australia played 8-1-8. England played 4, lost 3. I was at the one they won. Great. Um, damning from Ed Hawkins. Let's go to Richard Mann first. What do we do with those match odds? Really tricky. Um, look, backing heavy odds on shots has never really been for me. And Australia obviously were, were the favourites here, but I, I couldn't get interested in England at the prices either. I'm keen to know what Paul thinks, actually. The draw's a big price here. And I know day and night at Adelaide, it's usually a results pitch, but... If Australia in particular were to bat first and amass a big score, could you take that draw price and then just trade out when England come to bat? 
Well, actually, I'm going to get to that in a bit. It, it, I think it's perfect for the system, for the um, back of result in play system, for exactly that reason. I don't think it will be a draw, but that's one way of doing it, back the draw now and trade out. The other is to try and get the two results at double the odds because that's precisely what will probably happen, generally happens at Adelaide. You get two pretty flat sessions, batsmen on top, draw price comes down. If you don't get a wicket within a half hour of that evening session, the draw price starts collapsing, the other two go out. So um, in this case, you'd get you'd put an order to back in Australia at 2.2, which to me would be just a fantastic bet. And England would be about 5.9. Yeah, and I, this could work both ways as well. It's not just a case of Australia and Smith and Labuschagne making batting look easy. If Root and Milan get in as, as they did at Brisbane, suddenly a pitch should look really, really flat. But as we saw last week, one wicket falls and suddenly that lower order, that tail is exposed and, and suddenly wickets galore. You're talking about number five downwards, presumably there. <laughs> um Amazing, amazing stat that nobody apart from Root and Milan average above 30 for England this year. Um, Ed Hawkins, do you have anything to add to Richard and Paul's wisdom? Yeah, I think we can be specific on um, trading runs perhaps with how much the ball is going to swing and when it's going to swing. We already know that the the degrees of swing of the pink ball just go through the absolute floor um, after 30 to 40 overs. So that is the time to expect runs. I'd prefer to be having that sort of bet um, on Australia because, as you say, Root and Milan, um, apart from those two, England haven't got much. So in an ideal situation, England take two or three nice and quickly, um, then the swing goes through the floor and then we're getting on long of Australia runs. That's the way I would play it. Excellent. Uh, Paul, what do we do with innings runs here, given that stark difference between Australia and away teams in run scoring? Well, I think it will definitely be reflected. I suspect that the opening quotes will be like 100 apart. England will probably be 275 to 300. Australia, 375 to 400. Um, we know how to play England. Extreme unders. It worked all summer. Back when when they're on a partnership, when they hit a 50 partnership, when they hit a 100 partnership, back the extreme unders because every chance of a collapse. Um, we all discussed the selling them in the first innings and that worked a dream last week. 225 was 1.54, didn't get close to that. Um, and even the second innings, it started very low. I didn't actually get on at the start because it was so low. The part was like 200 to 225. Um, but during that Milan root partnership, um, you, you could have got 1.1 about 325, 1.2 about 350. Um, I think I was on like I sold 350 and 375 at you know uh, 1.4, 1.6, that kind of price. Um, again, in the middle of the partnerships, so when Milan and Root were hitting targets 50, 100, etc., um, that's the time to go unders. Okay, before we move on to top run scorers, top wickets, possible players of the match, does anything else stand out, guys? Uh, yeah, Rory Burns, I think Rory Burns is on the move. Uh, when the ball when the bowler lets the ball go, I think he's all over the place. What um, in the slips or when he's batting? Well, when he's <laughs> when he's yeah when he's batting. I mean, looks it's becoming a bit of a joke figure, isn't he? With, with the with the haircut, I think he's got rid of the moustache, but he looked like the Laughing Cavalier, didn't he? And he was the only person who was laughing. I think 
Uh, I think he's on the move when the ball is coming down, so he's falling over. Uh, and if the ball starts to hoop, his runs is a short 21.5, something like that. And again, to reiterate what Paul said, uh, expect overreactions on those runs markets. England 220 for two overnight. The runs line was 450, runs par line, uh, and it was a sell because I think uh, they would about become the only seventh t- side in test history in Australia to have busted 450 in the third innings, England. So uh, don't go with the overreactions. Thank you, Ed Hawkins. Um, with that, let's move on. Side market's coming up. Right, we're back. Looking at top bat, top bowler winners, side market winners. Let's start with the top Australia bat, Ed Hawkins. What have you got for us? Yeah, first innings of the match in day night as we've got a couple of wins at down at number six and number seven uh, in Adelaide. Craig Overton was a massive winner there in 2017, for example. Warner's got a triple versus Pakistan. Remember when Paul talked about a triple uh, uh, score? I think it was 50 to one, wasn't it, Paul? 50 to one, yeah. Yeah. Um, but does that go against the very, very early swing uh, for top Australia? He's three to one with Sportsbook. Historic moment here. Labashane is five to two joint favourite with Steve Smith. That's a significant moment for the betting. Uh, he should have won in Brisbane. Uh, he's seven point. He's seven to five for a first things fifty, and he's nine to two for a first things ton. Both those look big. Travis Head is eleven to two for top bat again. Paul Krishnamurti, who are you backing? Um, that nine to two Labashane for a ton. That's my only bet. I like the favourites in that market. Okay, Richard Mann. Yeah, I think we team Manus here, aren't we? I mean, I, I've got nine to two ton or five to two, and I've got him at eights in the man of the match market because even if he's batting in the trickier period at Adelaide, as we saw at Brisbane last week, I mean, he was just brilliant at leaving early on and constructing his innings, and he gave it away against Jack Leach, really, didn't he? And he looked absolutely filthy with himself. I'm sure he won't make the same mistake this week. I'd be very surprised if he didn't have a good game. Okay, Hawkins, back to you for top England bat. Uh, so near yet so far last week, wasn't it, with Labuschagne? Uh, and another one was Pope. How has he not topped in that first innings for England? Look, he is 8-1 to one again to win it. He's got five wins in 19. I think we probably keep faith with him. I'd uh, be interested to get Richard and Paul's views on him. Got a dodgy second Innings dismissal and is getting criticised for it. Rightly, of course, he's 11 to 4 for a 50. Root has seven wins in 33, uh, but he's 13 to 8, so no joy there. It's way too short. 8 to 5 for a 55 for a ton might be of interest. Paul Krishnamurti. Nothing against backing Ollie Pope. The stats justify it. Um, I like David Mann at 6 to 1, though. I think that's a cracking price. He's evidently well suited to Australian conditions. With, there's got to be a value alternative to Root. And most of that side just doesn't cut, don't cut it. Richard Mann. Yeah, well, I'd agree with Paul about taking on. I mean, this is a phenomenal player, but he's still without a test ton in Australia. So, so I'm happy to take him on again. I, I suppose you could give Pope another chance as frustrating as becoming. I'm, I'm actually going to go for Josh Butler at nine to one. I thought he looked in really good touch in both innings at Brisbane. Batting at times when he really shouldn't be in. I mean, he shouldn't be coming in at, what, 50 for five in the first innings. And he shouldn't be coming in facing the second new ball, second time around. If England can give him some protection, for me, he looks in fantastic touch. And he looks like he's decided he's going to go out and play with freedom. And I think that's a really uh, dangerous proposition. So I'm going to take a flyer on him at nine to one. Okay. Oh, 
Something. Sorry, can I just mention, get a point on Burns again? We were talking about him off air briefly. I mean, he's a value bet at win rate, but are we making a rare exception to ignore that edge because we think his technique is all over the place? Richard, you had some good thoughts on that. Look, I've been a fan of Rory Burns, actually. I'm not arguing that he's Andrew Strauss or Alistair Cook, but I think the thing when Burns came into the England side, it was on the back of a very strong county record, playing week in, week out for Surrey, making big runs. Came into the England side, did really well against Australia and England. He was playing a lot of cricket. And with his technique, there's a lot of moving parts to it. Now, I'm not saying it can't work. Steve Smith's got a very different technique. But I think Burns needs a lot of cricket and a lot of batting to groove that technique and get everything in sync. And I think COVID has really screwed him over, to be honest. He struggled last winter moving from hotel to hotel, quarantine to quarantine. Couldn't get the match practice he needed. We all know that they don't play first-class games on these tours anymore. And I think it's going to be the same in Australia. He's going to go from test to test facing Cummins, Stark, if Hazelwood's back fit. And it's going to be really hard for him to get in sync. Um, he's not like a norm, any other player where you can say he's got a cover drive away and everything's good again. He needs a lot of time in the middle. And I'm not sure Cummins and Hazelwood and Stark will allow him that. Okay. Let's hope Rory Burns isn't listening to that. Um, back to Ed Hawkins for data snippets on top bowler. Yeah, Stark, three wins and two ties in top first innings bowler for Australia in day-nighters. He's the, the king of the day-nighters, strike rate, strike rate of 36. He's got one Man of the Match award as well. Here's an interesting couple of statistics for you. Anderson's strike rate in four day-nights, I know, short study sample and all that, in your first innings, strike rate is 76. Your career strike rate is 56. Broad, the same. 73 plays 53. Just been reminded, quick look on Twitter, being reminded that the last overseas uh, day-nighter England played was in Ahmedabad when they completely messed red conditions, picked three frontline seamers plus Stokes, yet spin dominated and Joe Root claimed five for eight with his off-breaks. Thank you to Barney Ronnie for that one. Um, wow, England. Richard, give us some prices you like or loathe on these bowlers. Well, I think you'd have to take Robinson for England, wouldn't you? I mean... He's three to one. His third favourite behind Anderson and Broad, who were both major doubts to even play. I know there's a bit of criticism about Robinson's fitness and his pace were down in that first innings at Brisbane, but he didn't really ball much in the second innings. He obviously wasn't needed because Australia cantered to a nine, nine wicket win. So he should be fresh. And if anything, he's got some miles in his legs now. He looks a coming man on Ollie Robinson, and I think he should be favourite. Can't believe Ed Hawkins almost dropped him for this one. Um, Paul Krishnamurti, same to you. Well, um, first of all, I did look at Mitchell Stark very seriously. 14 to 1 man in a match is very good value, I think, given that Australia will probably win. It'll probably be an Aussie and Hazelwood's out. So he would be the second likeliest bowler to win it. And he's got a good record there. Um, I think 8 to 11, Pat Cummins getting over 2.5 wickets in the first innings. That's pretty solid. Uh, and well, this I've, I've been called on this having discussed the potential teams with you guys, there's, an, there's a special of nine to two about either James Anderson or Stuart Broad taking five wickets in the first innings. Now, if they were both going to play, I would say that's a reasonable bet, but that does seem quite a doubt. To the floor, any other specials anyone fancies before we move on to best bets? Yeah, I'll just jump back in with endorsing in, in what everyone said about Stark, really. I, I think, look, 
this is this is the test that he generally does well in. And the other thing, there's an emotional factor, I think. I think with Hazelwood being injured, Cummings really needs Stark to perform and get some confidence. He's, he's took a lot of criticism from Shane Warne, amongst others, about his form. I didn't think he bowled that badly in Brisbane. He was expensive, but he's always been expensive. But he takes wickets. And I think here, if Cummings has a chance in that first innings, if Stark's maybe got one for 50 and England are six down, I think Cummings will look to Stark to try and finish off the tail to try and get some confidence, finish with three for 70, four for 70 or whatever. So I think the stats back up Stark and I think there's an emotional point to this. Cummings will want Stark to have a good game here. I'm going to go for an old special, um, a market that is invariably wrongly priced. The match to go to day five, back no. Only one in five day and night as Adelaide went to the fifth day. Uh, we generally get evens or better in that and it may well drift in that first morning or second or second session because batting's quite easy on the first day but I think that would be a cracking bet evens or better okay are we done dusted Hawkins any more uh, no just to back up Paul on that there's no rain whatsoever forecast so you're not going to lose any time um, so it's it's going to be tough to get to a fifth day I'd say I'd agree with Paul Ed Hawkins, they call him the weatherman. <laughs> Quick, move it on. Best Quick. bets up there. Best bets time. Scores and some doors from Edward Hawkins. Yes, we're overall plus 23.3. And Richard and Paul, I know they've just told me what their individual figures were, but I've forgotten. So we'll come to Paul Krishnamurti first. You've got five points to spend. Remind us of your PL, please, Paul. I'm 24.5 units up. Um, first bet, I will have uh, one unit on Marcus Labuschagne at 9-2 to score a tonne in the first innings. And I will kick off, I'm, what am I, a minus 1.2 after New Zealand's, sorry, World Cup final loss. I'll have one unit on Marcus Labuschagne in Man of the Match 8-1. to one. Okay, I will have three units on the match to not to go to day five. And I'll have a unit on Marcus Labashin, top Australia batsman at five to two. Has he changed his name in between these test matches? Did he get a Marcus and not a Manus? <laughs> We've had three months. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? Splitting the difference with Marcus Harris. Should we do that again? <laughs> no, don't do it again, but um, make sure you, Daniel, get a bet in for Daniel Warner. <laughs> okay, I'll have my final one unit on Australia to win the series 4-0 at 5.9. And my last three units, and I'm going to have a unit on Josh Butler top, uh, Josh Butler to make a first innings 50, sorry, at 3-1. to one. And then my final two units, Mitchell Stark, top Australia bowler at 3-1. to one. That's Cricket Only Better, episode 117 done. That's your second Ashes Test preview done. Don't forget to check out betting.betfair for more good stuff on there. And every day of the test match, we've got your best in-play strategies. So check it out and we'll see you next week. 